Welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she's just a girl towering over a boy, asking him to admit he loves her. It's my sister, Marissa. I'm also a sophisticate. Yes. (laughs) I was gonna, as the intro, I was gonna say that you were the Margaret to my Deirdre. (laughs) That was the other, the other one. I don't know nothing about a chaise. <laughs> that would use it as a toilet. Isn't that it? that would have been me. <laughs> <sighs> so we are such a good dig at the BBC in yes, that little indeed. bit too. <laughs> we are getting closer and closer to the finale of season one. Thanks to those of you who are hanging on. We know that it's kind of like a funky thing to be reviewing a show from like two years ago where everybody knows the twist, but hopefully we can, (laughs) what I hope we can do tonight is actually talk about some things that I noticed that connect to what's going on in season two. Oh, all right. Maybe that'll, you know, encourage people to keep on listening. Uh, But before we do that, let's get to some housekeeping. First of all, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. Uh, If you find us on iTunes and you want to leave us a rating and a review, that would be lovely. Um, It gets you some good place points, I think. You can also follow and like us on Facebook at The Good Play, Twitter at The Good Play Pod, and Gmail. You can send us an email at thegoodplaypod at gmail.com. I checked our Gmail yesterday and didn't see anything, but didn't know. No, yeah, I didn't didn't see anything either. Yeah, I think we're going to probably get more... Uh, once we get back into like the normal seasons, but so shall we jump into the recap of of Chidi's Choice, which sounds like a lifetime movie. It does kind of. <laughs> uh, as per usual in the Good Place, we pick up exactly where we left off in the last episode, which is in Jason's bud hole. I like how you to- always like are very careful to pronounce bud. Yes. I don't want there to be any confusion. Where Tahani is confronting Jason, uh, now she realizes that he is not a Buddhist monk. He is, as he tells her, a professional amateur DJ. She is super angry that not only is he not a Buddhist monk, he is, as she says, I believe, barely a functioning person. (laughs) Which is a true assessment of Jason. It is. Uh, We flash to Michael's office where Michael, Eleanor, Chidi, Vicky Eleanor, and Bamba John, who is a human's rights, uh, allegedly a human's rights lawyer, he's not actually, he's really a demon, are working on Eleanor's case to present to Sean, the alleged all-knowing judge but actual middle manager. Then uh, they do some breakout sessions. So Michael and Chidi stay in Michael's office while uh, Vicky, Eleanor, and Bamba John take Eleanor into another room to interview her. Vicky, Eleanor says, you know, I know about your life before you died, but tell us about your existence after you died. And Eleanor sort of explains what has happened so far in the first season. And then she starts talking about how, oh, ever since Chidi started teaching me, I've gotten a lot better, and, uh, you know, Chidi has a funny face, and 
cheating said this and did that and oh i'm cheaty i'm pretending to be cheaty and which is pretty great and vicky eleanor immediately is like um so as you know because her her cover story is that she was a death row uh lawyer. inmate lawyer yeah and she tells eleanor that a lot of death row inmates have regrets about not confessing their love and i think you like i think you're in love with chidi and eleanor is like no 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 oh no i totally am <laughs> which is pretty fun to watch and i'm sure this is a big part of what you want to talk about vis-a-vis the second season yes indeed it is yeah, and that, like you, you said here in the notes that um, there's a there's like a moment of Vicky Eleanor slash Eleanor like flirting. Well, Eleanor thinks it's flirting, but Vicky Eleanor is not going that way. But <laughs> you wrote in the notes, I'm sure it's a fanfic somewhere. I everything is a fanfic somewhere. Yeah, that's one of those XKCD rules. Uh, Michael and Chidi are in Michael's office prepping the ethics side of the argument to Sean. Michael tries to give Chidi a choice of which ethicists to start with, and Chidi can't choose, so Michael tells him, you know, just make a choice. You know, like when you came in here and told me to get Eleanor off the train, you know, come on. (laughs) Like, no matter the consequences, yeah. Right. Chidi says, oh boy, now I'm nervous about that decision. And Michael's like, retroactively, how do you even... Chidi just says, I don't know. (laughs) So he says, all right, just make a choice if you want to do dry erase marker or pen and paper. And we flash back. So we get get three Chidi flashbacks in this episode, right? Which is a pretty standard for the episodes where one of the dead characters has a flashback. This is the first of three flashbacks, all on the theme of Chidi can't make choices. And this one is about Chidi filibustering recess. He uh, he could not pick a single teammate for his soccer team. Yeah, little tiny nitpick in that scene. Uh-huh. Those those kids should not have American accents. I'm sorry. They're in Senegal yeah. or something. Yeah, so I assumed that that was just like... No, I mean, I understand... Oh, you think it was that you couldn't literally send a plane to Senegal and take a... (laughs) Like, do a video with a bunch of Senegalese kids. Yeah. I assumed it was, like, whatever filter makes Chidi sound American to us watching the show is also making his flashback sound American to us, which, as I say it out loud, doesn't make a ton of sense, but it didn't... It didn't annoy me. I was just like, okay, well, you know, we hear Chidi as having an American accent, so we're gonna hear everybody... I mean, his best friend also shouldn't have an American accent, right? Right, yeah. Um, But it would have been... If you think about it, it would have been super strange in those scenes where they're talking to each other for Chidi to sound like Chidi and for his best friend to sound like Black Panther. (laughs) Sure. I know. So I think they kind of just had to pick a lane and stay with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, pedantry is one of the things we love on this show. So I can't blame you. So... I, oh, I jumped the gun a little bit earlier. So so we cut back to the interview room, and now Eleanor finally admits she's in love with Chidi, allegedly, perhaps. And Vicky Eleanor tells her to confess to Chidi, and Bomba John gives her a hug. I, can I just say that Bomba John is such a delight in this episode? Yeah, he's He great. has very few lines, but every single one just cracks me up completely. So in Tahani's mansion, Tahani's looking at the painting that Jason gave her. The one, it's, it's Dega, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a Degas pastiche, but all of the ballerinas are Tahani. 
Jason says, like, who even are those women? It's yeah. great. It's like, oh, Jason just constantly missing the point. So Jason tells Tahani that Chidi actually made the painting, ordered the painting, unclear. Yeah. And um was responsible for it. For responsible for the painting, thank you. And Tahani says, Oh, of course. And we sort of see the wheels turning in her head and I think the entire audience goes, Oh no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. But that's what that's the conclusion Tahani jumps to that Chidi must be in love with her. Eleanor goes to Michael's office to steal Chidi away. Chidi still has not decided between pen and paper and dry erase marker, so Michael is like, please take him away forever. <laughs> Eleanor takes Chidi back to her little house, sits him down, and says that she dated a lot of guys and she ran away from all of them, but he's a way bigger buzzkill than any of the guys she ever dated and she never wants to run away from him and that she's in love with him. And she says, like, I think I am. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think I'm in love. Yeah, okay. Yeah. (laughs) And poor Chidi is just like, "Uh, okay. And (laughs) then immediately Tahani barges in and manages to not see Eleanor just because of, like, angles and placement. And she tells Chidi that he's in love with her. There is absolutely no, like, reciprocal um, confession of her being in love with him. She just says, you know, you're in love with me. And Eleanor kind of pops her head in like, hey, I'm still here. And Chidi is just gaping at them. And Chidi gets one of my favorite lines. I need to step outside for some air. And I will not be back for many days. His delivery in this scene is amazing. William Jackson Harper, committee to give him all of the Ebbies. Yes, I agree. (laughs) And the other line of his that I loved in this scene was when Eleanor is talking about the men that she's dated and the fact that, like... Oh, yes! (laughs) And the, the fact that, like, you know, she... Or they accuse her of stealing money from them and then, like... Whenever she gets bored, she just leaves and, like, she doesn't even say goodbye. And then uh, Cheetah just goes, well, you got to spend all that money you stole. But, like, very... Um, it's just completely glossed over. She, yeah. just, she just picks right up without even acknowledging that he said anything. And it's amazing because it's just... It's it's a, just a great comedic line and the timing is great. But also it's just, like... A really nice moment of like, well, I accept you for who you are. Like, <laughs> you, you've, you know, maybe taken stuff out of my wallet. <laughs> so it's just, uh, what would there be in your wallet in the good place? Maybe uh, like a frozen fro-yo. yogurt. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, get a hundred punches and get yeah, it. Exactly. Well, everything is free anyway. I mean, I don't, you know. Maybe you just get an extra scoop. Extra. It's not a, you don't scoop, Froyo. What do you do? You, you, you serve it yeah i don't know i don't know but so yeah i just i when i was watching that again i had forgotten about that line and that really cracked me up there's a lot of really good cheaty comedy lines in this episode mostly like reactions sort of straight man kind of stuff but yeah just the so end funny. has some of them too yeah, yeah we'll yeah, get yeah. there so jason is back in his in his bud hole watching um some old archive footage of himself busting in on a weatherman who is trying to warn the Floridian people about a hurricane. (laughs) He thinks he's Carson Daly. So he calls Janet, tells her that he's feeling down and asks her to cheer him up. And she thinks about it for a second and brings him wings from Ugly Nick's Meat Trench. (laughs) Sure. Which is the same guy who owned Stupid Nick's Wing Dump, which Uh is his favorite joint. Right. 
So Jason asks her why he's always so nice to her. And she says, well, you were nice to me and I'm programmed to be nice to everybody. And Jason says, you know what? I think I love you. And then she says, okay. (laughs) I loved her in this episode. And he says, I've got one more question. Then it cuts away. But spoiler alert, the question is, will you marry me? Yeah, it's great. (laughs) In... Eleanor's house... So, Chidi has walked out to get his fresh air and will not be back for many days. Many days. <laughs> and then Tahani and Eleanor sort of start in on each other. Tahani really ramps it up pretty pretty fast and pretty furious. Uh, but Eleanor is the one who talks her down and says, you know, you and I have a forked up relationship, but it's our relationship. And I'm not going to let a man come between us. And I'm sorry for not telling you that Jianyu was really Jason. So... You know, let's two of us have like a bonding day. And so they kind of are, you know, there's allegedly of this stuff happening in the background of like coming up with a case for Eleanor for Sean. But really, Chidi has wandered off and and Eleanor has decided to like recuse herself. So it's really only bad place employees. So they're probably not doing anything. I didn't think about that, but you're right. You're totally right. <laughs> They're just kind of twiddling their thumbs behind the scenes. Like, I They're guess just, we'll just play just some like, cribbage. Yeah, I guess. I did not think of that. That is hilarious. So first they do, Eleanor and Tahani do something to make Tahani happy, which is to watch a BBC sitcom called Deirdre and Margaret, where one of them is hilariously lower class and one of them is hilariously upper class. And Tahani says it ran on the BBC for 16 years. They did nearly 30 episodes, which was such a sweet BBC burn. Yes. Then Eleanor says, you know, it's my turn to pick. Uh, But before we get to see that, Chidi goes back to Michael's office to ask who his soulmate really is. Is it really Eleanor? Is it really Vicky Eleanor? And Michael starts sort of thinking about it and musing aloud. And while it could, you know, but maybe when you bonded with Eleanor, it changed the formula or maybe it's somebody else entirely. And then he's just like, oh, Chidi, your indecisiveness is like a virus. And we get another flashback to Chidi's adulthood, where he is sitting in a restaurant with his best friend Uzo, who was also present in the soccer like team picking scene. And Uzo tells him, you know, you're my best friend, you're like a brother to me, but I'm not going to make you my best man because it would tear you apart. And Chidi is obviously really unhappy with that. At Eleanor's house, Eleanor is giving Tani, like, terrible, fakey, fake uh, blonde hair extensions. And uh, the reason that she knows to do this, we find out, is that she had to make herself look older to get a job when she was 14. So I think we had talked about last week whether the writers had decided just how sort of Dickensian Eleanor's childhood was. And I guess they had. Because it's not like they wrote the last episode and, and this episode, you know weeks apart with no you know no information traveling between them you know what i mean yeah she apologizes to tahani again for not telling her about jason and tahani says hey you know eleanor you could be jason's soulmate and then eleanor's like oh wow yeah i mean he's a hot dummy he's my type and and maybe the system you know everybody comes in pairs here and like she's just sort of starting to really like ramp up to the idea and then janet blinks in and says jason and i are getting married in 10 minutes and you're invited and she hands them save the dates that say 
Which is like has you know, it's like a normal save the date with like a picture of the two of them outside. It's like any save the date that you would get from your friends where they have uh-huh, like a stick professional on your fridge. Yep. Like a professional portrait taken. Like how do, I mean it's Janet, so she can make anything she wants, but it's just so funny to me that it's like there. And the date on it says in ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Their wedding was great. Yes. So Michael takes Chidi out for Froyo, and he puts three flavors of Froyo in three different cups and sort of labels them different women and says, okay, real Eleanor is your soulmate. And, and you know, and, Ch- and Chidi says, oh, she is. And Michael's like, well, I don't know. But when I said that, you had a feeling, a gut feeling, and you have to learn to go with that. And Chidi still is like, eh, I don't know. And then Michael says, Chidi, you know, your your indecisiveness kind of ruined your life right up to the end. And and we get a very sort of alarming look on Chidi's face as he remembers how he died, possibly for the first time. It's always in, in this version of the afterlife, we are told that people generally don't remember how they died unless the people in charge want them to remember how they died. So it's not clear to me whether Chidi knew up to this point or if he is like remembering for the first time how he died. Yeah, me neither. Which is that Uzo has sort of let him be best man anyway, apparently, and Chidi is freaking out and losing it. And then Uzo finally reveals, like, my wedding's really not for a month and this was a test and you basically failed. And Chidi's like, ugh, I'm sorry. So they decide to go out for a beer and then Chidi is standing around on his phone trying to pick a place to go out for a beer and the air conditioner from his apartment that he like sort of banged on earlier falls out and strikes him and kills him. It's very, thankfully they, they managed to stage it so that you don't see much, but it's, it had to have been really traumatizing for Uzo. Yeah. That's what I was thinking about because he is so understanding of Chidi's like neuroses and then, it, you know, he's like, let's go for a beer. It's okay, buddy. Like, everything's fine. And then, the but the last thing, like, he gets, he just gets annoyed because they're standing around trying to... Uh, and he's in a tux. <laughs> and he's in a tux. And they're standing around and, you know, Chidi's trying to pick a place to go. And Uzo's like, it's literally impossible to be your friend. And then, like, the next second, Chidi dies. So I can't imagine what that poor guy had to go through. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So really then, upsetting. To yeah. Me. <clears throat> yeah. Me too. So then we kind of cut back to Chidi in the afterlife, and he he uses that as fuel to finally just kind of man up and and trust his gut and stop dithering. And so he kind of go, leaves to go confront all these women who may or may not be his soulmate and may or may not love him or whatever. Then uh, we see Jason and Janet's wedding, which Woo! is so great. <laughs> it's so great. Jason has a suit where he can rip the arms off, uh, which he does. <laughs> she calls him, uh, Eleanor calls him Tragic Mike. Which yeah, which I didn't laugh. get on the first two or three watches. And then finally, I was like, oh, it's Magic Mike. Magic Mike, it's Tragic yes. Mike. Janet is in a beautiful wedding gown. Gorgeous. That she just sort of blinked in out of midair. Uh, Eleanor and Tani are the only guests, and they are drinking champagne, and they appear to be slightly drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Janet and Jason exchange very short vows, and uh, Jason reads a poem uh, that begins, Janet, my digital queen. (laughs) Janet, we can dare to dream. (laughs) Send nude pics of your heart to me. (laughs) (laughs) Go Jacksonville Jaguars. (laughs) So that was the whole poem. You're welcome, friends. (laughs) 
Uh, so then Jason says, you know, well, so they, they do ask if anyone, Janet asks if anyone objects, and Tahani and Eleanor are both like, yes, of, of course, course we object. We <laughs> Janet's like, overruled, and then they, they kiss and they're married. He's, All well, right. He's, he, she says, um, uh, do you want to, do you want me to be your wife? And he says, yeah. And she says, I want you to be my husband. And he goes, tight. <laughs> <laughs> Then we cut to the reception where, of course, Etta James at last is playing. Yes. <laughs> it's like mandatory uh, wedding reception music. Jason is trying to stuff cake into Janet's mouth and she's just like smiling and nothing is happening. She like doesn't understand the concept of food. Well, no. Remember she talks about how every time she gets rebooted, she tries to she tries to put some cake. Remember this? It, no, she said she said, um... Every time I'm rebooted, it's like a birthday, um, but I don't eat anything. Like, so I gave myself a birthday cake, but I don't eat. So I just sort of mush it around my face where my mouth. Which is basically exactly what happens here. He just mushes it around her face. (laughs) Tahani and Eleanor bond a little bit more over the crazy day that they've had. And Vicky Eleanor comes in to check to see that Eleanor really confessed her love to Chidi, and Eleanor's like, yeah, I did, but I don't really know what's even happening now. And Eleanor makes a sort of throwaway comment about how if she had known Chidi and Tahani and Vicky Eleanor while she was on Earth, then she might have ended up in the good place for real. And you kind of see something dawn on Tahani's face when Eleanor says this. Then Chidi comes in, and Eleanor says... You know, I've had a really rough day, and I don't really know if I do love you. I think I love you in a platonic way. And Chidi is just obviously just completely overwhelmed by everything that happens in this scene. I'm not sure how much he actually responds to anything. Yeah, he's just like, what? Like, that's yeah. the only thing he says the whole time. Because he also doesn't realize that he's walking into Jason and Janet's wedding reception. No, right, yeah. He just thinks he's going to Tahani's house. Then Tahani oh, says, Oh, wait, can I back up a hot second? Yeah, what's up? When, uh, at the wedding, when they kiss, and then um, Eleanor's, like, super drunk, and she's like, woo, get it, girl! And she just starts to Tahani, and she's like, I'm just going with it. I thought that was really funny and sweet. There's a lot of really funny moments this episode. It's like a, it's a real, it's a real knee slapper of an episode. Anyway, continue. Yes. So, Tahani also comes up and says, like, look, I'm sorry, you know, I, I was looking for a life jacket and you were the nearest one because I was so at sea that um, Jason wasn't who he said he was. So, like, I'm sorry about that. Like, I take it all back. And she, and then she says, True love is what Janice and Gianni have. Yeah. What? (laughs) (laughs) So great. And then Tani tells them that she thinks she's figured out a way for Eleanor to stay and the girls the three girls go running off and Chidi is just like what (laughs) what (laughs) and uh Jason and Janet dance at their wedding to digital get down by NSYNC I did not recognize the song the way you just said the name of that song like you are like an old (laughs) never heard like an NPR like I'm Terry Gross interviewing one of the ex members of the band (laughs) Today with us, you. we have J.C. Chazet. Joey <laughs> We believe your Lance single, Bats. Digital Get Down. <laughs> so let's listen to a clip of that. <laughs> this is fresh air. It is such a perfect song for the two of them. 
because it is trashy as heck, um, but it's also, it's, have you never heard this song? No! Okay. Well, don't say no like that. <laughs> the I, way I pronounced the name of the true. song should have been the indicator for you. I didn't know you. you had listened to it in preparation as research. <laughs> um, but, uh... It, what? It, 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 well, because I had it in the notes. But, uh, it's... <laughs> it is... It's essentially a song... So this song is from the year 2000, when, like, the internet was still dial-up, and, like, it was a new thing to talk to each other over the internet. So yeah, if we have any listeners under the age of like 25, they might legit not remember this. Yeah. um, So this song is about that, but it is about like the PG 13 to R rated version of talking to each other over the internet. Ooh la la. Yeah. Um, So it is a very suggestive song. It's about AOL and some messenger. It's not particular. It's about Usenet? It's not particular, but it's like basically about video. Or Lycos? (laughs) I don't think it's about like AIM. Right. It's about like AIM and uh, I don't know what other video. I don't know if there was video chat available at that time. There super wasn't. Yeah. Um, I remember distinctly trying to download a movie trailer in 1998. And it took a like quick four time hours. movie trailer. Oh, it took more than four hours. It, <laughs> I believe it was an overnight job. I remember when we had to like use like Napster and you'd be like, okay, I'm going to set this to download this three minute song and it would take like 13 hours. You like wake up the next morning and you'd finally have it. Um, so yeah, it's about. <coughs> I never downloaded illegal music, Brianna. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> Um, I meant the, you know, national the, we. The, the Creative <laughs> Commons music. No. Yes. The, the uh, music that was out of copyright. All those. Sure. All those recordings of from the 1920s um, <laughs> on Napster. Yes. Public domain uh, only. Um, but yeah, so this is a song about basically like chatting, but suggestive chatting. And uh, it's real embarrassing if you go back and listen to it now. I listened to it last night after the episode. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, well, I thought for a second I could make it the outro music. And now I'm like, maybe I don't want any piece of this. No, it's I mean, there are parts that are not gross. You could do like the intro or the hook or something like that. It's funny. It's not <laughs> there's nothing like overt about it. I mean, this was a song that like 12 year old girls listened to. Those dirty, dirty 12 year old <laughs> girls. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's why it made me laugh. I had forgotten they used it, and it really got me again. I, I mean, I guess... It's a pretty deep pull. Yeah, yeah. Probably that's like the writers on the show, you know what I mean? The yeah, writers yeah, on the show yeah. are probably that exact age. Yeah, yeah. Is Jason an NSYNC fan? Is that what you were going to ask? Yeah, but let's not speculate. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you, what did you want to talk about in terms of tying this to season two? So it was that comment that she makes about if I had known you guys in real life, I may have gotten into the good place for real. The end of season two, I know that we are still up in the air on whether or not it's a simulation or whether or not it's real life. But, you know, like you kind of said, it's it was a throwaway comment in the moment that I think when I watched it the first time or when I watched it before the end of season two, you just think it's like a nice way of her saying like, Oh, you guys are great, you know, but now 
I it's interesting to see that they are kind of tying that same sentiment back into like how they're trying to problem solve in you know for season three basically yeah it's this whole ethos of like you're not intrinsically good or bad it's all sort of well it's not maybe not all based on your environment but it's a lot of it is based on your environment and your peers yeah your support system yeah i mean you know what's interesting is at this moment she's saying this thing she believes that the three people she's speaking to all actually got into the good place when in fact two of them did not and one of them is a demon (laughs) so i don't think we really talked about when we did the season two closer did we talk about how it's not just eleanor needs chidi to get into the good place but also arguably chidi needs eleanor we didn't talk about that but i would like to talk about it if you want to expand (laughs) on it yeah i mean chidi what you you have a much better memory than I do. So when it was explained to Chidi in the season closer, the season one closer, I guess, but maybe the season two opener, why he didn't actually get into the good place, what was the explanation that was given by Michael exactly? It was his his indecision and his rigidity. It caused so much pain, right? Wasn't that the argument? Yeah, like it made everyone around him miserable and he never could make a decision and like... He just sort of waffled his way through life, basically. Um, but it was it was the combination of his indecision and his rigidity. So we've seen that, you know, almost in every episode, right? Where obviously there are some times where he comically sort of waffles back and forth. But I was listening back recently to our episode about the time when they go to like the exhibit opening and Dax Shepard is like the (laughs) The guest star. Um, But his whole thing there is like, he's very rigid in the fact that he doesn't want to lie, even when like the situation calls for it. So it's that kind of both of those kinds of traits together is like, just meant that he made everybody around him miserable all the time, (laughs) basically. Yeah, and you can imagine that if Chidi and Eleanor in this... I'm going to say it's a simulation just for the sake of ease, okay? Okay. You can imagine if Chidi and Eleanor in this simulation kind of get together in some way, get married, I don't know, that not only will he kind of force her to be more ethical, but that she is just kind of going to... She's not going to let him get away with the kind of waffling and rigidity that did characterize his life on Earth. Well, also, she mellows him out. Like She does, yeah. And I think you see that in, like, throughout the course of their relationship. But, like, the scene when, in season two when they're everybody's partying because it's, like, their last night in the bad place. And they're sitting in the... Uh, hot air balloon having their like little adorable chat about how much they <laughs> I know I know and you know he he makes that whole thing that whole um argument not it's not an argument he he basically likens his brain to like the fork in the garbage disposal oh yes the I think part of the implication being that like when he's around her it's not like that all the time you know I think she not only, like, kind of calls him out on when he's being, like, a real pain, but he also, you know, she mellows him out a lot. Like, he doesn't have to be that way around her. Like, sometimes 
he becomes more accepting or he becomes more like go with the flow when she's around. Yeah, more flexible. And and more brave. I mean, I think part of his indecision is that he's just like so paralyzed by the fear of what if he makes the wrong decision. And then you see by the end of season two that he did exactly at the end of season two what he said he was going to do in this episode, which is trust my gut, go with my feelings and tell the woman I love how I feel. It took him another season to be able to really do that. But yeah, happened. I mean, in fairness to him, he lost all of his progress from season one. <laughs> That's true. Yes. That's true. Yeah. So, I, you know, we didn't talk about this, I guess. We, we talked no. more about Eleanor because the, the, the season two finale is 100% focused on Eleanor. Yeah. So it was natural to talk about what Eleanor was going to need to do in the simulation. But this episode is very cheaty focused, although they all get a lot of screen time, actually. But it is called Cheaty's Choice and it's Cheaty's Flashbacks and it's Sort of the Chidi is sort of the frame of this story. Yeah. And it's worth remembering that he didn't get into the good place either. Now, he's obviously head and shoulders better than his three friends. Yeah. <laughs> but he managed to convert a demon to, like, ethics. Yeah. <laughs> he has mad skills. He's got, he's got what Jason would say is um, hella ethics, a dope soul and hella ethics. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> But it's worth remembering that he also missed the mark when it came to getting into the good place. And it might be that in the simulation with Eleanor, she might, you know, if that, so we only saw him date one girl and it was, um, it was another philosopher. I don't know if she was like a grad student or a, I think she was a grad student, right? They don't specify. Yeah, she, she kn- could have been another professor. It's hard she to know. knows about ethics. But I don't think... I no, don't... he tells her... He says something about how she wrote her dissertation on something or oh, another, right? right, 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 right. I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that he... Di- I, I'm pretty sure that she has some sort of advanced degree in philosophy. And if that's who he tended to date, let's just extrapolate. Let's sure. be crazy. Let's extrapolate that that's who he tended to date. And I actually totally believe that. That he dated, like, other academics, other philosophers. Then, like, he, there was never any chance that any of them would, like, get him to come out of this shell of inflexibility. God, I'm so exhausted just thinking about dating a moral philosophy professor. <laughs> I'm just, that just ex- exhausts, even just the thought of that, I need to go Well, there are down. so many times in the flashback that I never really made note of, but there's so many times in the flashback where he, the flashbacks, where he sort of points out a moral thing like well i have i have moral concerns about the jeweler for your wedding rings like i have moral concerns about the soups on this menu like oh boy that's a lot <laughs> and she in fairness she calls uh eleanor calls him a buzzkill that is a buzzkill move like oh yeah for to sure just be like well that thing you're eating or that thing you're you know I'm not talking about anybody's personal choices, listeners. Like, you can make whatever choices you want about how you live your life. But, like, to be that sort of, like, outwardly vocal about... Yeah, uh, you can't walk past your coworker's desk and be like, granola bar, hmm? I don't know if you know about the granola trees. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Being deforested in massive numbers. Guess you didn't think about that when you bought your box of Quaker Oats granola bars, friendo. Are there granola trees? No! <laughs> I didn't think so. I just had a moment. I'm I sorry. was picking something that was obviously, obviously absurd so that I wasn't actually slagging on anybody's choices. That's true. <laughs> That's smart. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a, yeah. So he's like he is a super buzzkill, and she might actually be just enough like crazy out there, sort of skating by ethics wise to kind of get him to loosen up a little bit. But it's hard to know. I think that part of the reason that he eventually in the afterlife kind of lets go a little bit of his moral rigidity is that he is dead. Right, I was going to say, none of it matters. Yeah, and and he knows now how the system works of the afterlife, and he knows that uh, the fact that he generally behaved ethically during his lifetime actually ended up not mattering at all. Or it didn't matter enough. So, for him, it must feel like, well, you know, forget it. Not that he comes there, comes to that point quickly or with ease, but by the end of season two, he must be at a point where like, well, what has ethics done for me? Well, she says that to him when they are on the train going into the bad place and he's like, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. She's like, look, living your life or is it on the train or is it later on? I'm not sure. Why don't you finish your thought? I don't remember. It's either on the train or later on in that episode where he still says that he's uncomfortable with lying, even though they're in... Basically, not a obviously not a life or death situation, but a um, regular <laughs> a afterlife versus or... eternal torture li- yeah. uh, situation. And Arguably worse than life or death. Yes, and he's and he says like, "I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie." And she's like, "Look, living your life by this code of Kantian ethics got put you in the bad place. Like this is the exact behavior that put you in the bad place." So I think you're right. Like by the time we get to the end of season two, he's been sort of, like, disabused of the notion that, like, his moral rigidity has helped him in any way, I think. Yeah, so it's going to be more, way more difficult for Eleanor to make any progress in the simulation. Yeah, because he hasn't gone through that. He has, but he doesn't remember. <laughs> I want, uh, I, I don't want to, like, beat this drum too hard, but we better get our characters back. We better get their memories unwiped at some point. I don't know what they're going to do, man. I am so stoked for season three because I just, I have zero guesses. We had guesses about season two and it turned out to all happen in the first episode. In the, yeah, like in the <laughs> first day. They were like, here's every single possibility you had Colin sisters and so we were like ah well and you know looking back on this first season and I think especially this episode like I super didn't see Janet and Jason getting married and even when I did I was like how could you have exactly what but somebody in the writer's room was like you know it'd be funny and then they were like great (laughs) let's do it and not only like I was like oh well that's just a fun throwaway bit you know, that they get married and haha, she's not a human. So like, what even is this relationship? And it's just kind of like played for laughs. It ends up being one of the driving forces for everything that happens in season two, because Janet is malfunctioning because she's, you know, repressed the memory of her love for Jason. So not only do they have these, you know, twists, it's like, it's like, you know, I think this episode is another example of like somebody you have a throwaway line or you have something that seems like a joke at the time and it ends up being like a main theme later on. And you're like, oh, that's so cool how they did that. So I I, I did find myself asking myself to, to what extent the Bad Place employees actions in this episode were orchestrated. Yeah, me like, too. Like, did Michael tell Vicky Eleanor to needle 
Eleanor about loving Chidi, or did Vicky Eleanor freelance on that one? And or did she and Bomba John kind of get together ahead of time? And be like, let's. But you know, how could they have known that ahead of time? It seemed like it was kind of um, done in the spur of the moment, but Bomba John like really went with it. Yeah. So I was like, well, who did did Michael tell them to do this? Or what? I think Michael was focused more on making Cheaty miserable. Oh, yeah. He did a pretty good job with that. He did a great job with that. Like, looking at this episode through that lens now, I'm like, ooh, you really got him. Like, you really just got him in, like, every possible... You got him in, like, an ethical quandary... Because he's trying to save his his friend, and then you have him in this romantic entanglement, and we see like a version of that again at the beginning of season two. So I think Michael was a little bit more focused on um, Cheaty, but I I believe that Vicky um, is the kind of demon who kind of thrives on this creative assignment. Like she clearly, from what we see of her in season two, at least at the beginning, like she clearly is into this kind of torture and thinks it's fun. And so, you know, I wonder if it's a situation like, I hear this about, I don't watch a ton of reality TV, but I hear this about sort of reality TV producers where they will sort of bond with a cast member. It's like their job to bond with a cast member. And then whatever drama is going on that day, ask them kind of leading questions about it. So in order for, in order to like stir up like, Oh, well, how do you think, you know, so-and-so would feel about that or what exactly happened or, you know, these kinds of things. So I imagine that if it hadn't been cheaty, it could have been something else because she seems sort of sophisticated enough in emotional manipulation to have found something else to uh, glom onto. Yeah, the only thing that gives me pause is Bomba John immediately is like, yeah, you said his name nine times in ten minutes or whatever. Yeah, that's true. And I was like, oh, did they... Maybe demons just have a little bit more ability to sort of count and remember things? (laughs) That's a weird ability. Um, I mean... (laughs) It is possible that they went in, but you know, I don't necessarily, well, hmm, I'm like contradicting myself before I can even like finish a sentence. Because I was going to say, it is possible that, you know, we talk a lot about how we want to see like a behind the scenes of some of this stuff, like how Michael sort of put all this stuff together. Yes. And so it is possible that Michael kind of corralled them and was like, listen, I'm going to be on Cheaty Watch, you know, 20... 20- 16 or whatever this was. Um, But I want you guys to be on Eleanor duty. And here's something that I've noticed. Like I've noticed that they've been getting closer or whatever. And I kind of want to put a wedge between them because, uh, you know, he, at this point he thinks like souls are immutable. So he doesn't, he thinks that Chidi is going to react exactly the way he reacts. Right. Like it's possible that Michael fed that stuff to Vicky and Bombajan to then torture Chidi some more in a different way. Mm. Yeah, that his focus was all on Chidi, but he did it yeah. through Eleanor, which so, is sort of the point right. of this exercise. Right. So it wasn't necessarily about torturing Eleanor. It wasn't necessarily about Vicky torturing Eleanor. It was about Michael torturing 
uh, Chidi through Eleanor, which in the finale episode of the first season, he does kind of say like, or she says like, we've all been torturing each other this whole time. Right. Like, and even in the finale episode, I believe that there's still some lingering like love triangle stuff between Eleanor and Chidi and Tahani. All I remember is Eleanor telling Chidi that she was dropped into a cave and he was her flashlight. Yeah, can we talk about that for like a hot sec? Because this, I remember, go- but I remember going into. Just gonna let you wail. Just- <laughs> so I remember going into season two, being like, "They're bros. They're total bros." And after season two, I'm totally on the shipper train. The ship, I guess. It's a ship. It's a ship. For the last time, Brianna, it's a I'm dang sorry, ship. It's a ship. I'm sorry. Um, I'm totally on the ship with you. But watching this episode again, I remember why I thought they were bros, and it's because she literally says that. I mean, she didn't. She doesn't use the word bro, but she's like, I think I like you. I think I love you in like a platonic way where I appreciate all of your help and you know I think you're a little cute, but like yeah, mostly it's she fine. says that, but. But if you hear how she talks about him to Vicky Eleanor and Bomba John, it's not the way you talk about your friend you have completely platonic feelings about. That's true. But I mean, I'm not saying that you were wrong to be like, okay, then they're just going the friend route with these guys. I think that was a completely legitimate interpretation of the episode in the moment. But I think with the benefit of season two hindsight, like... The way she talks about him is pretty standard crush fare. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know if I have anything else to say on that front. I I think that she does have a crush on him at this point. I'm not sure that... I also am not sure that Eleanor is like emotionally or psychologically mature enough at this juncture to like fully feel her own feelings on the topic of love. Because she's never been in love, and she never really was loved, and um, all she can kind of realize at this moment is, like, this flickering flame of, wow, this is someone who I really want to spend time with, who I am physically attracted to, and who is a good person, and I am feeling feelings and maybe the, I maybe this is love I mean the way she talks about it like I might I think I might love you I think this is love yeah I'm pretty sure you know like she, she's never been in love and she's just like is this yeah. what it is that's actually a good point like I guess she has never really been in love oh Although, she definitely hasn't I mean but you see her with the one boyfriend who's like relatively normal um but you don't think she loved him heck no Okay. That poor guy. Yes. <laughs> she was kind of a monster. Yeah, that's true. Like, if you don't <clears throat> if you don't know what it is, if you've never experienced... And, uh, you know, I would argue... I think Chidi's family loved him, but I would argue that he'd probably never really been in love either. Because he's never been... Sure, but, but he had a very... A, a much stronger foundation for sure. <laughs> feeling his feelings. Sure. He sure. seemed to have a loving, normal childhood. He had obviously Uzo was like a, a like a brother to him. You know what I mean? He yeah, had, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, children learn how to be romantic partners by being born into a family where there is lots of familial love, which sounds kind of weird, but that's just how it is. Like you can't have adult romantic relationships 
uh, easily without having the foundation of um, your first loves of like your parents, basically. And Eleanor definitely didn't have that. She was no. starved for actual love her whole life. And she's only now coming into a place where she's accepted for herself, you know, maybe for the first time in her existence. Uh, and so she's like stumbling into this. And I don't blame her for being a little bit turned around. Yeah. I actually was, as somebody who just has trouble with this in, in life, I actually was very sort of, I don't want to say inspired, but like I was really happy for her that she was able to tell him that, like that she was able to just sit him down and have like, you know, kind of a difficult conversation. Cause I could see, you see this on a lot of shows where they have like a will they, won't they relationship where like, you know, the office did this with Jim and Pam and that kind of stuff where it's just like, you feel it and you feel it, but you're too scared to say it all the time because what if I ruin this thing that we have? And like, what if, you know, um, and I kind of like the fact that once she realizes it, it's not a situation where, cause I, I could see a version of this show where she realizes it in this episode. She like acts real weird around him. Well, she that's d- kind of what happens in the second season. Yeah. A little bit with the tape. Yeah. With the tape. That's true. That's true. But this season, yeah. Oh, she- what a blessing that they did not, pull that trick in season one that it wasn't like oh hand ringing i think part of it is that like vicky eleanor says she's kind of a death row inmate they yeah, really what are she sort got of, to lose right and part of it is just like eleanor is a really brash person and she's just not the kind of person who's gonna like really agonize over something although we do see her agonize over telling chidi in season two about the about the videotape so what do you think is different there for her oh what a great question because she's essentially telling him I think in this that, that she loves him and, you know, it should kind of be the same thing, but it really is Yeah, it's almost, it's, I think the sticking point, weirdly, and I don't, I can't explain this, but I think the sticking point in season two is that he says that he loves her back. That's almost like the embarrassing weird part for her when she watches that tape. As opposed to season one, she has no expectations of him loving her back. Yeah, she she does say, like, you don't have to say anything. I just want yeah, to tell you. Yeah, although she then later says, if he doesn't pick me, I'm going to throw something. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I don't really think she has an expectation of hearing I love you from him. But yeah. in the second season, she gets that tape and she has it on tape, him telling her that he loves her. And I think she feels deeply strange about the situation that they were in this moment of sort of true, pure love for each other, and neither of them remembers it. And she's sort of the keeper of this weird secret, and she doesn't know what to do about that. I can't, I can't fully explain it, but but it seems like the the variable is him confessing back. Yeah, I mean, also I think now that I am sort of thinking about the differences, I totally agree with you. And the other thing I would add is that. In season two, when she finds out that this has happened, she and Chidi in this reboot have a very contentious relationship with Oh, that's other. right. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's so right. in this episode, it's possible that in addition to kind of feeling like a death row inmate where, you know, what have I got to lose? This is going to might be my last chance. And I have no expectations other than I just wanted to get this off my chest. She... It's arguably she feels safe enough with him that she feels like she can do that because they have this relationship that they've built up over many, many months 
at this point. And in season two, when she finds when when Mindy shows her the tape, she and Chidi have just been arguing with one another. And it's not just that they've confessed their love for each other. It's that they've done it. You know, they've had a physical relationship multiple times and they've gone through all these different reboots. But in this iteration, they have, you know, a kind of a contentious relationship. And that tape kind of turns it around for her because at first she doesn't believe it. But, you know, then it becomes. Anyway, continue. Yeah. What an interesting thought exercise is. Imagine the the events of season one happening as they are. And then we get to this point where Vicky Eleanor tells Eleanor, I think you're in love with Chidi. And then somehow magically she gets a hold of this tape. And it turns out that this is not the first time for them through. That was a popular fan theory at the end of season one that this was not their first time Your through. Your husband but a, thought that. Yeah, I never thought that. But but it was a popular theory. Um so then she's thinking, like, am I in love with Chidi? And then she sees this videotape. Now, obviously, it would have had a lot more implications than just, you know, Chidi and I had a relationship at one point. It would also mean, like, this isn't actually the good place. So I realized it would have been a complicated thing for her to discover. Mm-hmm. But you but you having sort of reminded me of what the relationship was like in that in that reboot, that particular iteration, really makes me think that if somehow they had had a much closer relationship like the one they have in this iteration. And then she had found the tape. She would have immediately gone to him and been like, look, you know, like we, we were together, we were a couple and it worked. And like, let's, let's try it again. Let's, let's do this thing. And yeah, they do eventually get that 30 seconds before they get blinked out of existence. Uh, The course of true love never did run smooth. Indeed. God, do you have any, uh, sort of episode wrap-up stuff. Oh, um... So I saw an early review of the show that Tia Sirkar, who is uh, Vicky Eleanor, Vicky... With Zach she, Braff? Yes, the one that she's co-starring on with Zach Braff. It was, um... It seems like it might be shaky, but I also think that a lot of sitcoms take a while to get their footing. Yeah. So hard to know if she's going to be available for future episodes of maybe, The Good Place or not. Maybe they can uh, get her back for a guest spot yeah maybe do i have any wrap up yeah i mean we're closing in on the season one finale i did also kind of find it funny in retrospect that janet didn't tell michael that she married jason <laughs> like the fact that it was just eleanor and tahani at the wedding is understandable in some sense because that was just sort of narratively how it worked out but like sort of funny that like, we will get Ted Danson's reaction in, I think, the next episode. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's not thrilled about it. But I think that'll be a fun Guilty Knowledge rewatch thing to look out for. Because there are, there are like, now we understand sort of multiple layers to why he's upset about this. Yeah. Well, let's get into that next week. Because now I have a whole bunch of thoughts, but I don't yeah. want to spoil them. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's it for me. Let me look on our rota of... What we're like our next topic that we're supposed to do after we're done with the guilty knowledge research. Hold a second. So what I have on the schedule is Amramica the Beautiful. Yay! So that's that's. But we can swap these months around if we want to do Ted Danson equals terrific dude first. We can do that, or we can do the Scherniverse. Which abs? Maybe I should. Uh, maybe I'll make a poll on the Facebook group of what people want to hear next. Those are the three topics we're going to tackle. But I'm I'm open to. Uh, 
having people decide which one we do first. Yeah. All right. I'll do that then. Uh, in the meantime, get it, girl. Woo, get it, girl. I'm just going with it now. All right. We'll see you next time, Ding Dongs. there, right? Yeah. Okay.